As usual, the dulcet tones of Herb Alpert in the Tijuana Brass means it's time for another edition of Fangraphs Audio. Hey, I'm Carson Sestouli, host of Fangraphs Audio. Very excited about this particular episode of the podcast, uh, as it represents the first time that we will have had a professional baseball player on the show. That professional baseball player is Matt Antonelli, currently of the Washington Nationals. You may know Mr. Antonelli from uh, any number of places, perhaps as a uh, prospect with the San Diego Padres, um, one who appeared on uh, more than one prospect list of Baseball America. You may know him as a pretty terrific blogger. He blogs at MatthewAntonelli.com. Or perhaps you, you merely know him as the pride of Peabody. Uh, that's Peabody, Mass., um, from where Mr. Antonelli hails. In what follows, we discuss Antonelli's career to date, including some actually pretty nerdy statistical things, uh, of which Mr. Antonelli's aware. We talk about Mr. Antonelli's injuries uh, from 2009 and 10, and what sort of effect those sorts of things can have on a player's performance. And finally, I ask Mr. Antonelli the uh, the big question that everyone's thinking: Are you a real Italian, or are you an Olive Garden Italian? All that very important information. Um, and more on this edition of Fangraphs Audio. Yes, uh, this is Fangraphs Audio. I am Carson Testuli, and with us is a very special guest. Uh, uh, he has the unique, he has the privilege, uh, and I'm sure uh, he's feeling it all over, of being the first uh, professional baseball player to appear on Fangraphs Audio. Uh, in addition to playing baseball quite well, he's also a thoughtful gentleman. His name is Matt Antonelli. Matt, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank it, you for having me on. Are you, um, is this a fact you're all at Twitter of be, uh, being the, the first baseball player on Fangraphs Audio? Absolutely. I yeah. feel very special and honored. Yeah, <laughs> I can feel the excitement. Um, <laughs> well, listen, Matt, uh, because you are a, a thoughtful gentleman, I want to get later on, um, a little bit uh, later on in this interview, to some of the stuff you've been doing on your blog and just sort of like the things that motivate you to do that. Uh, sure. Before we get to that, though, I just kind of want to um, kind of lay the foundation of, of um, where you've been and, and where you are now as a baseball player. Okay. Um, and um, I think it, it's actually really fun for me. I, I hope it's really fun for our listeners um, to be able to have kind of access to a, a younger player um, who um, who's you know pretty articulate, and we can also ask about um, you know some of the especially some of the metrics that we use at FanGraphs, and that's kind of actually how I'd like to start. Um, one thing that's been the case of um, you know, about you as a player, and this goes back even to your days at Wake Forest, and mm-hmm. uh, you know I'm going to guess at uh, St. John's Prep as well. Um, I have that right, right as a high school player. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing that that just like sticks out about um, about your profile from, from your stats is that like you basically have always walked about as much as you've struck out. Right. Um, and you know your your powers fluctuate a little bit, and I want to talk about your power in a second. Okay. Um, but you definitely like you know, and, and this has obviously helped you get on base a lot. But one thing I'm really curious about is 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 what because um, we always see the product, but I'm curious as to like what sort of approach this is reflective of. Like, is it, are you are you consciously trying to draw walks? Um, and you know, f- for how long has this been the case where yeah. where you know you were um, you know able to make contact but also walk a lot? Right. So pretty much my entire life, I've spent most of my life hitting leadoff just from even from little league all the way up through high school, college, even professionally, I've hit leadoff. 
And, um, you know, I've always had not a ton of power, but I've been more of an athletic kind of speed guy, so I was up at the top of the order. So my game kind of just started becoming molded pretty much for that leadoff spot. And in high school, I took it to kind of a whole new extreme. I might be the only guy that would do this, but one of the reasons I think I've been able to learn plate discipline and what a ball is and what a strike is is because I've always been just super, super patient. In high school, I would I would take first pitch every time. I'd actually take a strike. So I would get up there and not swing until I had a strike. And if I got ahead 3-1, uh, 2-1, I would take strikes till I almost got the two strikes. I don't know what I was thinking or why I was doing this. I think I was so enamored with walks and just getting on base that I took more pride in walking than I think I did in hitting. So it was actually something that when I got older, people started getting upset at me with, like, okay, the walks are cool, but you can't just sit there and go two strikes every single at-bat. And um, so, yeah, I think I just I kind of just taught myself just by taking so many pitches, I got comfortable hitting with two strikes. I didn't even care. And so I didn't strike out a lot, but my walks were way up because I was taking so many pitches. It was just, you know, by chance they had to eventually throw enough balls to walk me if I was taking that many pitches. So that's kind of how that all started. Now, is that just a question of... Are you are you were you really like waiting for a specific pitch in a particular zone? Um, and I guess additionally, like uh, you know, are you are you aware of like how valuable walks actually are to to particular games? Right. So, um, you know, when early on I was taking I was taking pitches just to take them, even if they were thrown, you know, where I wanted them, I would take them until I got further in the count. Now that I've gotten older. And, you know, when you get older, you can't just take pitches because guys are going to be good enough. If they know you're going to just take pitches like I did back in high school, well, they'll, they'll just throw a fastball right down the middle every time, and I'll fall behind every time. And, you know, when you get older, the the further I go in the count with more strikes on me, if I get behind, my, my chances of hitting go way, way down. So um, that's definitely something I've changed. And, you know, now where I get up there, I'm looking for my favorite pitch. And it doesn't matter what count it is, if it's OO, if it's – 2-0, if it's 3-1, whatever, if I get the pitch, in most most cases, obviously the situation changes it a little bit, but in most cases I go up there looking for my favorite pitch, and I'm going to hit it no matter what the count is if I get that pitch. Now, uh, you, you mentioned that uh, you know some guys started to talk to you. I wonder if, you know, when you were saying when you were taking more pitches, if coaches came up to you and were like, no, Antonelli, you yeah. got to be a little bit more aggressive. Absolutely. When I was in college, um, you know, I, I hit leadoff, and they moved me to the three-hole my junior year because I started to get bigger and stronger, and I was showing more power numbers, but I was still taking too many pitches, and my coach hated it. He would he would yell at me a lot for – I would take a pitch and walk, and I'd get back to the bench, and he'd yell at me and say, your job's to drive and run. Stop walking so much. So that was kind of new for me, and uh, it didn't take long for him to take me out of the three-hole and put me back in the leadoff spot because that's just the type of game I was used to playing. Um, so I have had a lot of coaches actually get upset at me for walking too much. And do you feel like it's just like a part of who you are now, though? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm even though I've changed from that, from just being so far on that taking pitches side of the spectrum, um, I will always have that. I'm never going to be a guy that's going to be a free swinger. Even though I tell myself I'm looking for my favorite pitch and I'll swing in any count, there will be a lot of times where um, – 
early in the count, I won't swing, and it's just kind of programmed in my brain still. Every now, I got to remind myself, like you got to be aggressive, always be aggressive, and that usually helps me a little bit. But I'm always going to be towards that side of of uh, patient. Okay, now with regard to the power, uh, you know, you'd had, I, I think you'd shown a little bit um, at Wake Forest, like you said, um, and then when you got to professional ball in 2006, uh, that was the year you were drafted. Um, I think it was uh, 19th overall by the Padres. Um, you, did, you had a little ball that year. You didn't hit a home run. And then you come around in 2007, and between high A ball and double A, you hit 21 home runs. Um, right. Which is, you know, between, w- once we take the whole package at the point where we have a middle infielder um, who's walking about as much as he's striking out and also hitting home runs, uh, I mean, that's that's pretty clearly a good baseball player. I'm curious, though, as to like how that power spike come about. Is that just like getting stronger naturally with age? Is that a question of changing up your swing or a difference in approach? Or you know, or do you feel like because um, I, I don't actually know what the the park factors are there in uh, San Antonio where the missions play, um, but I think high A uh, might be uh, Lake Elsinore. You can correct yep. me if I'm wrong. Yeah, and I know that that's definitely helpful for home runs. I mean, right. what, did, what do you think was facilitating your your home run spike there? Um, well. Honestly, in, in college, I don't think I hit as many home runs because I was too patient and I was I was not swinging at anything. And then my junior year, I started to become a little more aggressive, and I also was getting stronger. My junior year in college was the strongest I've ever been. I I weighed about 215 pounds, and I really because so many people told me um, for the draft, they said, you know, your power numbers aren't that good, and that might hurt you. Well, I I really focused on being stronger for that season so my power numbers would get better. When I got drafted, um, that first year in Eugene, I don't know why I didn't hit any home runs. That was kind of a weird just, you know, it was it was kind of a small sample size, but still you would think I'd hit more than zero home runs. Yeah. But, um, you know, the next year, I think it's when everything kind of all came together. I started becoming more aggressive. Um, I was getting to the point in my career, I'm a little older, I think I was like 22, and um, I knew what I wanted to do a little bit better. I was also st- another year stronger, and my swing was just, for whatever reason, my swing came together that year where I was just hitting balls further and more consistently than I ever had in my life. I was squaring up, you know, I'd go up there and square up more balls than I ever had, and my swing for some reason just all came together, and I'm hitting balls in batting practice that I was, I, I can think back now and say, man, I don't, I mean, that was crazy how easy and effortless effortlessly it was for me to hit balls out of the ballpark. It was really a weird season. Yeah, um, I, and I would just like to to note uh, for your play, uh, you know, for you, but also to our listeners that Matt Antonelli just used the word small sample size, um, and that's like uh, that's like a nerd. You know, that's like uh, <laughs> so you're, you're you're part of the club. I hope that, I hope that makes you feel good. Um, the um, yeah, so so after that season, I, I assume. You know, besides, like, you know, that sort of feeling of being able to hit the ball out. Uh, right. In addition, like, I, I assume you were pretty optimistic, um, like, about about everything at that point, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So 2000, uh, 2008 comes around, and you get yep. uh, as a um, – I want to make sure I have your age right. As a uh, as a 23-year-old, yep. um, you get a promotion to AAA, which in mm-hmm. itself is pretty cool. That's I, – I mean, in terms of, like, a, you know, age and level – 23 is probably a little bit on the younger end, right? Um, especially because at that point you're also going to be playing a lot of guys who've kind of been between the two levels. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if we just look at like cosmetically the numbers 
that you produced that, that year. Uh, we see 215 batting average, uh, 335 OBP, so it, or on base percentage. So in fact, like that's still a pretty acceptable on base percentage, mm-hmm. um, especially playing at a park uh, like the like the one in Portland. Um, and you probably know this. Uh, I certainly know this. Um, spring in Portland is not like prime baseball weather. <laughs> um, it's uh, and it's not very friendly for batters. Um, but the other thing we notice is uh, looking at the stats is a just a 248 um, batting average in ball and play or BABIP. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Now you know typically at uh, you know the AAA average is probably somewhere like 310, 320. Um, you'd posted numbers in the three you know like 330 to 345 or so in the minors. Uh-huh. Now usually um, this is a number that's going to regress up to the mean. Um, you know, up to right around 300, especially a player with speed like yourself who'd already demonstrated some power. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, is this now? Is this something that you noticed as this was happening? Yeah. Like maybe more balls than usual were getting caught. Maybe you just hit more like pop-ups than you were used to. Is this something mm-hmm. that you noticed as that season was going on? Absolutely, I noticed it that season, and then the, the following season. I'm sure you'll get to that. But my average, actually, everything actually might have gotten worse that season. And um, I might be a total outlier here. I'm not 100% sure, but I'll tell you what. It what a lot of people have said, like you know, it might have been bad luck. But if you saw me play like every game, you would have known that it's not bad luck. I was bad. Like <laughs> people, you know, I'm kind of I've had a kind of a weird career where I went from being a first round pick and and in single and double A being just about ready to go to the major leagues and the top prospect and all this crap to completely falling off a cliff and, you know, pretty much forgetting how to hit a baseball. Well, so, yeah, but so do you, I mean, do you have a sense of exactly, cause I know that like, obviously, um, you know, the mental aspect is part of the game. Right. And, uh, and I assume that, you know, the, the more you start thinking about it, you know, that doesn't particularly help you and that could actually yeah. interrupt it. Like, was there just a time when you kind of like, when you, you kind of felt like you had stopped being Matt Antonelli? Oh, absolutely. It, it goes back even further than that. In my double-A season, I finished with great numbers, but if you were to look month by month, you'd see that probably, I think in August, probably right around August of my of that year, I think I hit below 200 with maybe a few home runs, and then in the playoffs in September, I hit like 150, and that just start that happened for about a two year span. I went to the Arizona Fall League and hit two thirty. I went to spring training and hit like two something. I went to Portland and hit two thirteen. So um there was I don't know how this happened and I've thought about it and talked to every person in the world, but I literally something happened in my swing that for some reason, I started doing bad things with my swing and I just couldn't figure it out. I couldn't stop doing it. And you would think like, oh, this, you know, hitting a baseball is kind of like riding a bike. You know, you can figure it out once you've done it and you've done it well. You should be able to figure it out again. I literally could not figure out how to hit. And it, when you, when that happens, like, you start just, I don't know. It's, it's almost like a snowball effect where once things start going bad and your swing's not working, it got worse and worse and worse to the point where I just couldn't hit anymore. <laughs> right. And I assume that uh, as someone uh, who is like, you know, on the path to becoming a major leaguer, uh, that's irksome, uh, to say the least, oh, yeah. at, at that point. Well, I, um, the thing that happened after 2008, of course, and 2009, is that, you know, you know whether it was whether it was bad luck, um, you know, on, on, in terms of batted batted ball, uh, you know, percentages or whatever, um, or or a, a hitch in your swing or, or a combination of the two, um, you also had injuries. 
Yep. Um, now, I believe you started off with a leg injury, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I missed uh, about two months in 2009 with a leg injury. Right. And so, and that, that was, uh, that was your nice introduction to that season. But then I think, um, um, and I, uh, tell me, tell me about this, that you broke your handmate, is that right? Yes, I, um, I played for a while with it hurt and, um, we really didn't, it wasn't showing up on tests, so I played for a while, probably like three, four months with it, and then finally got to the point where, um, it hurt so bad, I went for a couple opinions, we found that it was broken. Right. And now this is an injury, um, and, and this is probably good that we're talking about this coming in the 2011 season, but, you know, I, um, having done some research on, on handmates, this is something that, even even when it doesn't super hurt guys, you know, or they get it fixed up, it's something that takes like a year, year and a half, to get back to, you know, to get back to where you feel, you know, to where you feel like yourself again. Right. Um, and I'm I'm curious, can you tell us just about like the the rehab process and what it was like to hit a baseball after getting it worked on? Sure. Um, once again, this is kind of like a unique case because um, after I got my surgery, I got it in. Uh, let's see, April 28th, I believe, of this past year, 2010. And usually it takes about two months to get back. Um, I think I rested for about, let's say, six weeks, and then they wanted me to hit. And I started to hit, and I said, man, this does not feel right. They told me I'd have to go through some pain, but I felt like I was getting stabbed in the hand with, like, a knife or something. I'm like, this can't be right. So they shut me down, and uh, we waited about another you know, two, three weeks, I started again, and the same thing, I kept saying, like, this can't be the right type of rehab, because this is way too painful, so that kind of gives you an idea how much pain I was in, I just couldn't do it, and uh, I tried to come back, I kept trying, we kept waiting, and finally I said, you know, I got to go to a doctor, because this isn't right, and we went to a doctor, and I found out that I had, somehow, I don't know if I played so long with the injury that um, this had happened, but I guess I developed a cyst that had grown in my wrist, um, pretty much right near where the surgery t- had taken place. And I guess that cyst was causing a lot of pain. So I don't actually know if I'll ever know what it was like to come back from handmade surgery because I had another problem going on at the same time. Uh-huh. But um, I will say, with all that going on, um, yes, it was very painful to come back at first. And, and since I've come back from that surgery, once I got that surgery done, it was much, much easier. Like, I'd go out and hit the first time, and I was like, wow, this feels like a hundred times better. So, I don't know. Tough question for me to answer. Right. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and we should say uh, what's happened in the meantime is, um, well, it's a couple things. Uh, um, one of them, I'm sure, was a little bit disappointing for you. Uh, uh, another is probably kind of exciting for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the first case, I, I believe you were uh, uh, released by the San Diego Padres. Mm-hmm. Uh, the team that had drafted you, um, but then it seemed like you had uh, a couple teams uh, sort of vying for your services, and you you signed with the Washington Nationals. Yeah. Um, can you, I mean, can you just talk briefly about that process, like, um, sure. you know, like what what it's like to become a free agent and then uh, and then sort of have more than one suitor? Absolutely. Yeah. It's um it's really weird because. Uh, you know, you get drafted by a team and obviously that team really wants you, you play with them. And, uh, I always just thought in my head, you know, not really knowing, I'd think, you know, I'll play for San Diego my entire career. Um, and then obviously, like we talked about, I had a couple of really bad years. I get injured. I'm out for a, almost a whole season. And, um, 
you know, I got a call one day from them. They told me they were taking me off the 40-man roster, and they said there's still a chance I could come back and just play uh, with a minor league contract. And, you know, I was actually close to doing that, and then kind of things fell through. And for the first time in my life, I'm like, man, I can go wherever I want, but I don't have a job. Like, this is really, really weird. Um, and I, I started getting calls from people. I Actually, to be honest, like, um, it's really weird. When I had all those bad years and everything, I kind of, it was almost like a dream. Like, I don't even remember that happening. It felt so weird and everything. So here I am thinking, like, man, I'm only 25. You know, a lot of teams are going to want me. You know, um, you know, I was a first-round pick, blah, blah, blah. But there were actually, like, you know, I'd say probably four to six teams that were interested and um, only a couple that were, like, really interested that really wanted me to sign. So that was a new experience for me. But luckily the, uh, the Washington Nationals, who were probably the most – aggressive team and it seemed to me that they wanted me to play for them the most and it just so happens that that was a great fit for me so i'm happy that that all turned out the way it did does, does the fact that the the gm uh, mike rizzo is the fact that he's italian have anything to do with your choice <laughs> hey absolutely i mean <laughs> maybe he thought we could go hang out at buca de beppa or something and have some uh, spaghetti with him. <laughs> Uh, that's very, that's very good to know. Um, that's, that's a little insider information that you can only get from Fangraphs Audio. Um, now, as, as all this is going on, I think it was sometime in the middle of 2009, uh, you started, uh, you started a blog. Right. Um, uh, just, uh, I believe MatthewAntonelli.com. Yep. Yeah. Um, and what, what people should know about it, if they don't already know, is that, um, it's, it's a pretty great reading experience. Um, because you know it's first of all a thing that um, you know and, you know and, and now that a lot of players are on Twitter, there's maybe sort of a uh, a closer relationship between some fans and and the players themselves. But you actually are like a a pretty thoughtful guy, and I think you I mean you know from one writer to the other, I think you have like a real talent for it. Thank you. Um, and so it and it makes for a good reading because obviously you have access to certain things that you know uh, people were at. Uh, you know, working in the world, uh, you know, don't have, you know, because, and, and yet we're baseball fans and we want to know about it. Um, now I think you're on record, I, I don't want you to uh, have to repeat yourself too much, but you said that you started it just so your family could kind of figure out what was going on with you and read your blog, but then you started to read, uh, you know, uh, realize that you, know, you had some fans reading you. But I'm also curious, because not every player starts a blog. So I mean, what is it besides that? You know, were you uh, you know were you a big English nerd at uh, at Wake Forest <laughs> in high school, or I mean, what was it besides that? Actually, I I've, I've never written anything in my life before this blog. I mean, I do my papers and stuff, but I never had like a real passion where I'd be like, you know, one day I want to write a blog or a book or anything like that. It wasn't like that. Um, I don't know what it was. I just started one day, and I was like, I kind of thought it was cool. I saw a buddy of mine, uh, Will Inman, who played in the minor leagues with me with the Padres, and I was in his room one day, and he showed me his blog, and I said, well, this is pretty cool. Like, I like talking to fans when I'm at the park and signing autographs and stuff, and he's like, yeah, you know, you can you can interact with people and all this stuff. So I started it kind of just for my family, but also... I guess in the back of my my mind, I said, hey, you know, it'd be cool to be able to interact with people. Never did I think it would become anything like that. And, um, you know, probably a few months, you know, maybe three, four months after I, <coughs> excuse me, after I started it, I started getting emails from people and all this stuff. And I said, man, this is kind of crazy. And uh, I think when I got to spring training the following year, um, 
I just started all these people coming up to me at Spring Training say, I read your blog, I love it, it's awesome, blah, 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 all this stuff. And I said, you know, this is kind of cool. So I started to, you know, incorporate videos and all this new stuff. But I don't know. I just, I, I started it just kind of on a whim and I've enjoyed it since I started. So I just keep going with it. Yeah. And we should say, uh, Will Inman, uh, I think with whom you have a pretty serious, uh, ner- uh Nerf basketball rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one in, um, the guy in the video is another one of my good friends on my team, uh, Wade LeBlanc. Oh right, Wade LeBlanc, right, 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 right. Um, but I do I do remember a a couple posts I think about <laughs> pretty serious uh, nerf nerf action. Um, well, yeah, I mean the thing about the blog that you have, and, and maybe this is something you've come against uh, up against, maybe it isn't. But the thing about blogging is that makes it kind of hard is constantly producing content. Yeah. Um, and it seems to me, and, and obviously, you know, this is something you can learn to some degree, but like either you have that ability or you don't. And you, I mean, you seem to have it. it, it do you find that subjects just coming, come to you? Or do you actually, like, yeah. actively put yourself into situations where you need to create content? No, I just, um, the blog is really weird. Like, I don't view it as, okay, I have to do my blog and I have to find something to write about. I kind of just, I don't know if I'm crazy or if my mind, if I'm nuts or something, but I just like have weird stuff come into my head and I'm like, you know what, that'd be kind of funny to write about or whatever. Um, but there's actually, there's actually a lot of stuff that I would like to write about that I'm like, you know, something happens, you know, maybe with uh, my girlfriend or my family or whatever, and I, I actually have to, like, restrain a lot of stuff. So, you know what, that's I'm, I don't want to write about that. So it's weird. I have a lot of material going through my head that I can write about all the time. Well, you know, um, you've done a couple of cool things on there that I really like. One thing that I think is, is totally great was uh, for a while, I think it was sort of uh, the end of last fall, you started to do uh, some drive-time videos. Yep. Um, and I don't know if you had started doing them then, maybe they're from earlier. But essentially, uh, this was you recording yourself on a portion of 495, I believe. Yeah, it was. Uh, the, the most boring, and, and of course, I, I've lived in that area before. Um, it, it, as you mentioned, it's one of the most boring stretches of road uh, known to man. Can you talk about starting that project? Sure. So, um, <laughs> I don't, you know, I, um, I did a little video when I would drive out to spring training. Um, I would have, you know, it was myself and my girlfriend. She would film me, and people really, people really liked the video for some reason. Um, so I got a lot of requests for that. And I, I was just driving to workout one day, and I drive about thirty minutes for my workout. And I said, like you said, it's pretty damn boring when you're driving thirty <laughs> minutes back and forth every day. And I said, geez, I'm doing this five days a week, and I'm not going with anybody. I'm just going to take my camera and just talk to the camera. And probably not the safest thing in the world, but. That's okay. I had fun with it. And I would just talk about random stuff like, uh, you know, my drug tests that they had here and you know, just random stuff that people people don't really get a chance to hear about or see or stuff like that. You know, I figured I'll uh, I'll kill some time and have fun with it at the same time. Yeah, well, it, it, that sort of stuff is fun. And like I, like I was saying in terms of producing content, that's one of those things where it's like it's like almost it's almost so simple. You know the, yeah. the, the idea, but it, like it, it really worked. So as, as a fan, I say thank you to that. Uh, um, another thing, another piece that that you wrote, um, uh, it was right around the time that that he was uh, traded to the Red Sox. Um, you had a piece called "Yo Adrian," uh, yep. about Adrian Gonzalez, and this is one of those cases again where it's, you're really able to provide um, some insight that a fan, and, and I'm going to guess even a reporter. 
it just one necessarily you know no even to think about necessarily. Right. Um, and you wrote quite a bit, and, and I'm struck not just by I'm, I'm struck not just by the amount of work that um, you, you talked a lot about Adrian Gonzalez's preparation. Right. Um, and the thing I was struck by was not just how much work that Adrian Gonzalez did, but also the profound effect that it really seemed to have on you. Right. Um, as a as a younger player and one who who I think correct me if I'm wrong started to really realize that people don't get great at baseball just by accident. Absolutely, it really takes work. Can you can you talk a little bit more about that? Just hanging out with guys like Adrian Gonzalez, sure. what you learn from them? Sure. Um, you know, I hear a lot when I talk to people. Uh, I work with a lot of younger kids and stuff, and I always hear people say like, "Well, that guy is just like you know born to play baseball," and it's always about the best players. Like you talk to someone about Adrian Gonzalez, oh, he just has the best swing. He's just born to hit and everything. But um, and I thought that too when I was younger. Like I always said. You know, I could never be like that guy. He's just born to be a baseball player. But you start to play with all these guys, and you realize that when you get older, the better players and the older players, the guys that make it professionally and to the big leagues and the all-stars and all that stuff, those are the guys that, like, put in the most amount of work. And, you know, just one thing with Adrian is, like I was saying, as – he he works a lot, but he the thing that I was impressed with is how he doesn't just work on the easy stuff. He worked on stuff that like you know might only come up you know once or twice a year that you would think why would I practice that? And he's doing this stuff and making everything a challenge for him. As I'm over there taking like these little routine ground balls and just you know I was a younger kid at the time. I can't remember if it was last spring training or the year before, but. As a younger player, I'm just trying not to screw up. And, uh, I'm trying to like kind of blend in and not stand out. You know, don't try anything stupid and, and mess up. Well, he, I think he, he kind of saw me doing this, and it happens to a lot of young guys. And he came over and like helped me right away. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, he's not only working on his game, but he's trying to help me get better too. So that was the big thing that stuck out to me. Now. Where, from where you are right now, you, you're, you're. I think you're going to go down this Friday. Is that right? Down to yeah, I'll be leaving this weekend. Yep. Um, so, I, so let me just ask you, and, and maybe you don't have, uh, you know, the answer to this, but I guess what do you kind of expect? You know, what do you expect out of your time with the Nationals? What's mm-hmm. what's a, what's like your sort of ideal, you know, vision, or you know, and what's the, what's the thing you think will happen? Right. Um, well. I don't know. It's going to be a lot of unknown stuff because this will be weird being my first time outside the Padres organization. I have no idea what to expect. But one thing I do know is um, I've been working really hard, um, you know, on my swing over the last year or so. And you know, this past spring training, I'd, I'd worked with a couple of coaches who I finally came across that could tell me we looked at old film when I totally forgot how to hit and they broke it down for me and said this is why you were so bad (laughs) pretty much putting it bluntly is this is why you couldn't hit and this is what you have to do to fix yourself and it was the first time that I had someone that could really do that for me so I've spent a, a lot of time more time in my life looking at film and trying to get better and you know, I had a very good spring training last year, and unfortunately, I got hurt. And I think I would have had a great year last year. And I kind of feel that way about this year. I'm really excited to get going because I feel like I'm back to God. It feels so long ago, 2007, mm-hmm. instead of the 2008 and 9. So, you know, I'm excited to go down there and just show people that um, 
I'm a different player than what they've seen the last few years, and I'm back to being, you know, the guy that got drafted and the 2007 player, and that I can contribute not only in the minor leagues but at the major league level. So that's that's what I'm really looking for is to get out there, stay healthy for the first time in a little while, and um, you know, I want to get back to the major leagues and contribute at that and be successful at that uh, level. That's my main goal. Yeah. Now, do you- do you feel um, and after this? I just have a couple of uh, silly questions for you. Sure. But do you, do you feel it, not not that you would have necessarily you know coming out of the 2007 season, you say oh I, you know I want to have two subpar seasons and, and then get injured for another one. <laughs> um, but now that now that you've gone through that, you know now that you've gone through right. that, do you feel like do you feel like you've learned some stuff that just if you just had success all the way through you wouldn't have learned? Um, you know what. I- like you said, it would have been great if uh, I could have just come out and never had a problem with my swinger injuries and had a 15-year career and went to the Hall of Fame. That would yeah. be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's, okay, that, so that's, a, that's, that's the ideal. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't think – I think most players, um, that doesn't happen to. It might happen to one out of a million or whatever. But I think most guys, I think that anyone that, that does something you know good or great or whatever, it doesn't go good or great the entire time they're always met with some kind of adversity whether it's an injury or you know you swing falling apart and going down the the tubes or whatever it might be and um you know a lot of people always say to me hey it's better it's better that that happens to you at 23 than uh you know at 29 or 30 and now it's too late to to do anything about it so um and to be completely honest back when I, in 07 even though i had a great year there were still a part a lot of parts of my game that weren't ready for the major leagues. I think my defense, my hitting was always uh, above my defense, and I don't think I was ready at that point. And I've gained a lot of experience and knowledge, and my defense has gotten better in the last few years. And I think that now that I'm 25 and I'm a little older, mentally I'm probably a little bit more prepared for um, playing baseball and especially hopefully at the major league level at some point. I think that... I'm I'm not happy it happened, but I think that I've learned a lot from it, and I think it'll make me a better player in 2011 for sure. Okay, all right. Well, I totally wish you the best of luck. I, 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 my guess is a lot of our listeners will be cheering for you uh, after they hear after they hear this. And now I have three super important questions, uh, of course, okay. to ask you. Um, <laughs> now, one, uh, you're, you're a member of the uh, uh, the Washington Nationals organization now. Yeah. Um, of course, they made a big uh, off-season free agent signing of Jason Worth. Um, now, I'm sure Jason Worth is happy about it. He's a uh, he's a wealthy man at this point. <laughs> but one thing came out of it is because of uh, Nationals' organizational policy, he had to shave his beard. Right. Which you're probably aware of was amazing. Yes, it was. Yeah. Now, now, do you view? Do, do you think that? I mean, this is a tough question, you know. And if you want to deflect it, I understand. But do you think that the world is worse off uh, for Jason Spear, Jason Ward Spear, not existing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, I've been a fan of growing my beard at some point too. I, I've had a pretty cool one going at points uh, of this off season. But um, I guess you got to say the guy paying your check. You know, if he wants me to do whatever, then uh, I got to do it. So I'm fine with that. You're but fine. I did think it was a pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty. It's pretty amazing beard. Um, uh, okay, second thing is uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the comedian Mike Birbiglia. Uh, no, I'm not. Oh, he's actually he's actually from Massachusetts, uh, um, and uh, he went he went to one of those Catholic schools around there. 
Um, okay. he, he said uh, he was trying to explain his family, and of course, a name like Berbiglia, you can probably guess it as heritage. Uh, he said that his family wasn't so much uh, real Italian as Olive Garden Italian. <laughs> <laughs> and I was wondering, I'm wondering, are the Antonellis, are they real Italian or are they Olive Garden Italian? Uh, I would say that I am more Olive Garden Italian, <laughs> but I would say that my family, my dad, and especially my grandparents who were born in Italy, um, they're real Italian. Like, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to mess with them. I'll just say that. <laughs> but you can come mess with me. I won't do anything. You I mean, won't do it. Well, uh, well, Dove, Dove in Italia. Where in where in Italy is your is your family from? They are from a city called or a town called Orsania, which is uh, directly east of Rome, I believe. Oh, okay. And have you ever uh, have you made any sort of uh, you know uh, p- pilgrimage uh, to the homeland? I, I have not. I would like to at some point. But one one thing that I have done that I'm proud of is I bought Rosetta Stone Italian, so I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> and, and I'm sure what is it, three or four hours a day. You're, uh, oh yeah, just grinding it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and last thing, uh, you, it's uh, it's a pretty big uh, part of your of your blog uh, is that you're you're kind of a video game. Um, yes. You're pretty serious about it. Yeah. Uh, now I'm curious. Do you do you play baseball games? Um, actually, I don't really play very many baseball games. I have, but I am a football guy. You're a football guy, okay. Um, yeah. no, so if you were to play a baseball game, would you ever consider playing playing yourself in the game, or have you ever done that? Well, I would consider playing it if I didn't stink so bad in them. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, my, my roommate, Wade, and I, uh, we went and bought like MLB The Show this past spring training, and I actually wasn't in the PlayStation version. I was the only man on the 40-man roster not on it, so that was upsetting. So we went and got the Xbox version, and I was on that, but I was—I had to have been the worst player in the game. Like I was coming off a season which I hit 186 and was injured, and I'm surprised they even put me in the game. I was horrible. So <laughs> I, uh, maybe, maybe next year, maybe like uh, MLB The Show 2012. You like I'll your chances? Yeah, I like my chances then. But. Good. All right. All right. Hey, well, listen, Matt. Now I want to say, yeah, it was—it was great to have you on. Uh, you're clearly an awesome guy. And uh, I really, uh, I'm going to keep reading your blog. I hope a lot of our readers, listeners do. And I uh, wish you the best of luck with the Nationals. Hey, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, all right. Uh, well, this has been Matt Antonelli. I'm Carson Sestuli. And this has been an Italian-filled episode of uh, Fangraphs Audio. Thank you. <laughs>